Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. So it's not a sin in your church to have an abortion? That's the kind of conversation we would have finding out your story, where you're from. God's the judge. People have to live to their own conviction. The science is clear. The Bible is clear. And if we're honest, our intuitions are clear. We know what we're killing. We're killing a human being. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And away we go. It's the Wretched Radio mail call delivery bag Q&A infotainment nationwide extravaganza featuring your voicemails, correspondences, communiques, dispatches, memorandums and missives. Any special message for all the kids watching at home? What we need right now is a clear message to the people of this country. You have 1,200 messages. It is a bit above average. Now here's your host, Todd Freakishly Tall Friel. The mail is here! Ooh, this this is Wretched Radio, a Dunkashin. No, darling. Dunkashin for sending questions, comments, conundrums, snarks to idea at wretched.org. Don't forget, if you see a sermon, you see an article, you see a story, and you think it's wretched, kindly send it to idea at wretched.org. Is that German for thank you? Uh, yes. Okay. I'm, I'm trying to figure it out here. Yeah. Uh, Dunka. Is your informal thanks. Dunkashin is thanks a lot. It's a little uh, bit more formal. You learn something here on Wretched. Oh, uh, sh- but it's weird, though, because Dunka is thanks, but Shin, I believe, with an umlaut, is beautiful or pretty. So I'm not sure exactly how that transliteration became <laughs> thank you, but that's Dunkashin. Or you just called me pretty. Darling. I just called you pretty. <laughs> Has that ever happened before to you? No. <laughs> I don't okay. see it happening. All right. I don't think it has the word Shane in it. I Maybe it does. But for some reason, I'm thinking of a German song. Friel, we did not ask for a tune. Dudu leaks mirem Herzen. Dudu leaks mirem Sinn. Zozo macht mir viel Schmerzen. Weiß nicht, wie gut ich dir bin. This is a German classic. You, you. You don't know how good I've been to you. That's the song. You don't know how good I have been to you. You know, the Germans and romance, I the, almost synonymous, aren't they? You break my heart. You don't know how good I've been to you. That always wins a woman back, don't you find? Please send <laughs> questions, comments, conundrums, snarks to idea at wretched.org. All right, this one comes from Dave. He says, Todd, should the church actively screen prospective converts? Oh, do Shana Schnitzelbank. I thought of it. My, okay. Yeah, it's got the word. There was a song. I knew it had the word Shane in it. <laughs> okay. And it's, oh, do Shana Schnitzelbank. Ah, all Look, right. I know I interrupted you, but <laughs> I feel okay. better. Okay, okay. that's I, I figured it out, and I can sleep tonight. And that's all that matters. Indeed. Okay, from Dave. Todd, should the church actively screen prospective converts with questions before baptism beyond what Philip asked the eunuch? Mm, yeah, I think so. I, I, the entire conversation isn't recorded for us, so we don't know everything that was said, and so I wouldn't make that descriptive for the interrogation session of somebody who wants to become a believer or wants to be, get baptized and become a member of a church, which, by the way, I don't know if you've ever wrestled with that issue. It is a good little tussle to have. Dinner talk, maybe this this will provide your tish raiden. This, this program's become downright bilingual. Your table talk could include, if somebody wants to become a member of the church, do they have to get baptized first? 
discuss. Somebody comes to the pastor and says, I would like to be baptized. I think it is wise for the pastor or for the elders to spend some time because we all know biblically you've got the parable of four soils. Plus, we have seen true and false conversions throughout history and especially these days, haven't we? So we do them a favor. We do the church a favor. We do ourselves a favor by just wanting to probe a little bit more to make sure that somebody is soundly saved. Do they need to be perfect? You're not going to find that person. But do they need to have a credible testimony and potentially, depending on how long it's been, be willing to say, yeah, and I'm, I'm a changed person. I just got an email from somebody. I know, I'm not going to mention Norman's name, but this to me is a sign that somebody is saved. Norman said, is cremation a sin? I like Norman because he's pithy. And I responded back and I said, I can't tell you that it is a sin. But what we can do is study both Old and New Testaments to see if the Bible leads us in the direction of cremation or burial. Pagans would cremate the bodies of the dead. Jewish people would always bury them. Jesus was buried. 1 Corinthians 15 talks about the resurrection from the dead. You're going to have an eternal body. So when we bury instead of cremate, it's a testimony, albeit silent testimony, about the hope that we have of the resurrection. So I think that the Old and New Testaments point us toward burial, but I can't make a law where there is no law. And Norman's equally pithy response was, I guess it's time to get some burial insurance. Now, he may be, I don't know if he was leaning toward cremation, and I certainly didn't insist on it. I don't think it's a sin to get cremated, so please don't hear that. But that's a heart who's like, oh, okay, if the if the Bible leads in that direction, I'm just, I just really want to be obedient. That helps somebody's testimony be more credible. So I think you asked for the actual conversion story, their understanding of the gospel. I would ask them to define the difference between justification and sanctification. I would ask some exclusivity questions these days because postmodernism is pervasive everywhere. Is Jesus the way, the truth, the life? I think that I would ask about the essentials, the five solas, grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone, revealed in the scriptures alone for the glory of God alone. I think I might be willing to even take out a creed or a confession that had to do with church membership and say, just want you to see if you affirm all this stuff. And if they don't, you can spend the time teaching them. You can make the decision if you, whether you want to baptize them or not. But I think that those are good questions to ask up front because the person might go, no, I do think you got to do stuff to get saved. You don't want to be rushing to the baptismal jacuzzi in my opinion, till you have a credible profession. Emails bitter to idea at wretched.org. All right, this one comes from Peter. Todd, what are your views on Christians who claim to be preppers? Mm. How, how would you go about a meaningful conversation with such a person? Uh, first of all, they're not heretics. I'd start there. They're just, they've got a view of society that I might not hold. They see dangers that I potentially don't see. So they want to be a prepper. They want to store up stuff. My question for them would be, look, I I, I can't <laughs> tell you about being an expert and whether you should prep or not. I think that's every family's decision to make. My only question would be, are you sure you're still trusting in the Lord? Now, that doesn't mean that we're foolish. We leave ourselves as exposed. But any time that we are looking to 
And there's nothing wrong with doing things to prepare for calamity. But every time that we do, we still need to be asking the question, what am I trusting? Glenn Beck's advice or God? And then if if you can say, no, I'm still trusting the Lord. I just want to be smart about this. I've got a family. I've got this inside information. Then you go ahead and make that conversation. And the last thing that I would do is have a division with somebody with a difference of opinion about whether or not you should move into a bunker in Wyoming. Idea at wretched.org. All right. Ruth is wondering, Todd, in the Bible, it says that men should not wear women's clothes and women wear men's clothes. So would it be considered sin for a woman to wear her husband's hoodies? Hmm. Here's the principle for clothing. Men dress like men. Women dress like women. Now you immediately say, well, what exactly does that look like? I think we need to recognize there are some variables that need to be considered as we all individually strive to be godly in our apparel and to be conforming to the male-female distinction that God has for us, which is what the admonition is, that you don't dress in clothing that mars, that blurs the genders. That's instructive, isn't it? God really does care about male and female. In different cultures, it's going to look differently. Some cultures, it could be a type of robe. Scotland, you've got men wearing kilts. I don't know how much they're doing that, but that's something that men did. So in your culture, at your time, what is female and male generally expected to be? Now, note this. This can change. In the 1920s, 30s, whatever year Catherine Hepburn was popular, pants on women. Woof, that was a scandal. It isn't today. And I think that makes a difference. I think the answer to the question is, regardless of what apparel you are putting on you, do you look like a, a woman or do you look like a man? That, that, and there's, there's going to be some, like, is a hoodie a male thing or a female thing? You know, just because it's owned by the husband. A lot of women have hoodies. So in that instance, I'd say it's up to you. And now you look in the mirror and ask yourself the question, Am I sending the message that God doesn't care about genders? Because if I am, I'm going to take it off, put something else on. This conversation, I think, is an important one to have with the subject of modesty, not making laws where there is no law, but recognizing that clothing is theological. It should cause us to wrestle with what we wear. We want to represent God right. And so it's not oppressive to say cover up whether it's to a male or a female no that's godliness and we want to strive for that so consider the culture consider the norms consider the expectations if indeed you are still kind of confused about it ask somebody hey look at me do i do i look like a dude or do i look like a lady <laughs> sorry i'll go back to singing really romantic German songs. No, Todd, don't do that either. This is Wretched Radio. Hey, thanks for joining us today. I want to ask you an odd question. How are your finances? Now, I'm not asking for you to give me a direct answer. I'm asking because we all need to think about how wisely we're stewarding the resources God's provided to us. Whether it be your local church or a parachurch ministry like Wretched, the Bible teaches that our giving should be done out of joy. And it should be an amount that we desire to give, not an amount that we've been guilted into giving. Why do I bring this up? Well, at Wretched, we rely 
rely on the kindness and generosity of God's people just like you to do the things that we feel led to do, which is preach the gospel, equip the saints, and strengthen the local church. Your faithful support enables us to reach millions of people all over the world. So would you prayerfully consider partnering with Wretched to reach the world with the gospel? Find out how you can become an ongoing monthly gospel partner now by visiting wretched.org slash donate. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. Confession. Normally numbers aren't my favorite subject, but these numbers make me happy. MediShare is affordable biblical health sharing with twice the satisfaction rate of MediShare members versus traditional health insurance plans. The average family saves $500 per month. Over $3 billion worth of medical bills have been shared among MediShare members, which, by the way, MediShare has been around for a quarter of a century. Don't forget, telehealth is available at MediShare, and it will take you two minutes to receive a quote to see what you and your family could be saving every single month with MediShare. Affordable biblical health sharing. Please spend a very worthwhile two minutes at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. We've been telling you for well over a year that our newest production, Transformed, would be coming soon. We can finally say that Season 1 of Transformed is available now at Wretched.org and will also be airing on Christian TV networks all over the country. Transformed is like nothing else on Christian TV. You'll have the opportunity to be a fly on the wall and witness real biblical counseling sessions with real people that struggle with OCD, substance abuse, grief, self-harm, anxiety, pain, lack of assurance, and more. You'll be shocked and encouraged at not only the Bible's ability to pinpoint a believer's struggle, but also offer powerful solutions. Not years of weekly visits or the band-aid of medication, but real biblical solutions. With the help of Dr. Greg Gifford and Dr. Dale Johnson, you will witness people go from brokenness to wholeness. Transformed like nothing else on Christian TV and available now at wretched.org. And don't forget the study guide. That's wretched.org. Books of the Bible. God told Hosea the prophet to marry a prostitute to illustrate Israel's unfaithfulness to God and God's faithful love for Israel. When Hosea's wife returned to prostitution and was enslaved, he bought her back and loved her. When you are mistreated and abandoned, remember that is how you treated God. But if you turn to God, He will forgive you. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Freer. Well, this ain't Shana. This is Wretched Radio. I can't remember the Lord's Prayer in German. Jimmy, you're German, aren't you? Uh, yes. Okay, let's hear it. Mach schnell. Yeah, that, that's one I'd like to hear. <laughs> that's all I got. Pretty much, ain't it? <laughs> oh, if you don't use it, you lose it. Ain't it the truth? Which maybe could be a sermon illustration for the need to constantly be reading our Bibles. Both Peter and Paul said something similar to the recipients of their letters. Look, I'm going to repeat this. You've heard this, but it's for your good that I say it again. We need repetition. Otherwise, we'll never remember the Bible verses or the Lord's Prayer in German. Please send questions, comments, conundrums, snarks to idea at wretched.org. Sir Friel, this is from Dewey. 
When setting my hands to any task, I've always tried to do my best to cultivate an attitude described as uh, as described in uh, Colossians 3. However, I have to admit that I found it difficult to see tan- a tangible difference in working for God rather than simply working for man. So how is work like bagging groceries transformed into something that builds God's kingdom? For whom are you doing it? That's the bottom line. The task is virtually, I wouldn't say it's entirely irrelevant, but it is virtually irrelevant. God is not impressed by whether you are a highfalutin attorney or a, a Wall Street dealer. That just, that just doesn't knock God out. And by the way, it doesn't knock God out that you are uh, what the culture would say is on the other side of the spectrum. I, I don't like that because I don't like putting rankings with professions because from the Christian perspective, we are doing it for God. So if you are a milkmaid, as Luther said, you are glorifying God by milking a cow to feed his children. If you are whatever it is that you, you're bagging groceries, you are providing a service for people so they can eat food and live. That is what gives it meaning, not the task, but the one for whom we are performing the task. And that should bring an awful lot of, okay, I'm not nuts about this particular profession at the moment, but this is where God has me. This is what he wants me doing. So I am going to do it heartily unto the Lord. Uh, Questions, comments, conundrum snarks to idea at wretched.org. From Silas, who says, hello, Todd, Mr. 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 Todd, Mr. Mr. That'll work. (laughs) I'm a husband at 20 years old and yet uh, don't yet have children, but I have been pondering lately how much time is appropriate for family worship. I know every family is different, but if you consider the average family, what would seem right? It's up to you. Simple as that. It's up to you. You've got dynamics going on. You've got different ages going on. You've got schedules going on, and you've got teenagers, and you got little kids. It can be it can be tricky. So I think it should be left at the discretion of discretion of pop. Just try to include certain elements regularly. People will ask, "Can you think of a good children's devotional?" And I'm not saying there aren't any. I I, just, I don't know of any. I could just because I haven't had need for them. I suspect we maybe had some when the kids were little. But my first response is, what's the best devotional for family devotions is the Bible. Just read smaller sections of it. Teach on it if you'd like to, Pop. Ask some questions. Pray. And if you're a singing family, you could sing a song and skedaddle and off you go. Because you don't want to burn them out. You don't want it to become this, oh, we've got to do this because you don't want them to resent that very special family time. So use your discretion, consider your context, and then use the elements of reading the Bible, talking about the Bible, asking questions about the Bible, praying, and as a bonus, you could sing Odushena Schnitzelbank if you wanted to. Okay, I think I got the Lord's Prayer now. I think I got it. You do? Uh, well, hmm. Vater unser, der du bist im Himmel, geheilige werde dein Name, dein Reich, kama dein Wille geschehe wie in Himmel, also, oh, oh, keep working. I'm back to depressed again. <laughs> <laughs> can I not remember that? I can go. Okay, Jimmy, yes. do your best. Not a country song. <sighs> Please name a song from the 80s. Anything will do. From the 80s? From the 80s. Wow. Um, the best decade of music ever. Mm, man, um, I can't. 
You can't think of a single song. I cannot think of a single song from the 80s. <sighs> How's about something from... <laughs> all right. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm enjoying this myself. I'm all out of love. I'm so lost without you. I know yeah. you were right. Believing for so long. I'm lying alone with the head on my phone, thinking of you till it hurts. I know you hurt too, but what else can you do? Tormented, torn apart. I wish I could carry your smile in my heart when times in my life seem so low. It would make me believe what tomorrow could be when today doesn't really know. Doesn't really know. I'm all out of love. I can remember that. Why does music stick? But I can't remember the Lord's Prayer in German. Something tells me you've sang that song more than you've said the Lord's Prayer in German. (laughs) (laughs) I've probably heard it more. Wow. That was just constant back in the early 80s. Idea at wretched.org. All right. From Jeremiah, uh, Todd, I enjoy playing cards, chess, and other competitive games. Could this be considered sin? I just want to follow Jesus, but is there a way to win and lose graciously and biblically? Well, a couple of things woven into that question. Ask yourself, first and foremost, do we have any explicit Bible verses that say don't play cards? I don't think you're going to find it. I don't think that you see admonitions or prohibitions against games unless, of course, they are innately sinful. Gambling could be connected with those activities, and if it's the penny stuff, it's not greedy stuff, I don't think you're sinning to do that. If the stakes start getting bigger, promoting covetousness, get-rich-quick schemes, then no, don't do that. But otherwise, we just don't have a biblical admonition playing chess, checkers, chapetto, It's a board game from the 80s that Jimmy can't remember. Play the games. Just do it and ask the question, is there anything about this sinful? If not, then play on. But I might suggest that you consider being very, very cautious about keeping track of how much time you spend playing games. Episode 4 of Transform, which you can get at wretched.org slash transformed. It's our 13-episode series on biblical counseling. One of the fellows who came in for counseling his issue that he wanted to address was poor, manage, poor, poor time management. Here's the first thing that happened. We threw out the concept of time management. That's not biblical language. You've got to interpret the issue, not using secular terms, but using biblical terms. That's where there's power and help. It's not bad time management because then you can just learn some hacks and carry on. That's not what God wants. God wants us to be good stewards of time. And if you're not, that means you're sinning, and that means you need to repent. That is step number one. But then asking the question, so how much time are you dedicating to gaming, whatever that non-sinful activity is? This particular fellow said 30 hours a week. He's single. He has 30 hours a week dedicated to playing games. And I would just guess, not that I think he was trying to be deceitful, it's probably more than that because we don't Identify. We don't recognize how long we're on these devices. I just was watching this uh, tech, uh, technology 2.0, something like that, a documentary on cell phones and social media. And all of the kids were like, you know, I, I get on my phone for 15 minutes and all of a sudden my mom's yelling because I've been on for two hours. Yeah. So help yourself by writing down how much time you're spending playing games. You have discretionary downtime, but you don't want to be a bad steward of time. So make sure you find somebody who can help you or keep track of it yourself because we want to be busy for our master. 
Games are nice. Recreation is a blessing. Rest is a necessity and a theological statement, incidentally. So make sure you're getting that, but not in an imbalanced way. Our primary efforts should be how do we expand God's territory? Please send questions, comments, conundrums, snarks to idea at wretched.org. Dear Sir Friel, where did Lazarus go between the time he went to sleep and then when Jesus rose him from the dead? This is from Justin. Yeah, that, the answer to that question is, I don't know. I don't know that I've read. I'm, I'm sure somebody's got some ideas floating around out there, which you could Google. But the Bible just doesn't tell us. However, we need to understand John 1, nobody has descended from heaven, but he was ascended. So the, this 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 train ride to heaven and back again it just doesn't exist. People don't supposedly die and then take a trip to heaven and then get sent back. That is not biblical. We don't need those imaginations to verify that heaven exists. So with that in mind, I think that we would have to say Lazarus didn't go to heaven. I think Lazarus was a believer, so I don't think he went to hell. Knowing that this was a very unique miracle in the New Testament, raising a man from the dead, it happened a number of times, but it's pretty rare, you would have to say that God, in whatever manner he chose, had Lazarus somewhere, I don't think I'd create the doctrine of limbo or purgatory based on that, but he was must have been somewhere because I don't think he was in heaven and I don't think he was in hell. If you disagree with me on this, then we clearly cannot have any sort of fellowship because this is... Actually, I don't even think this is a secondary issue. Idea at wretched.org. This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. The career political consultant Matthew Dowd was a recent guest of MSNBC, and Dowd, in the audio you're about to hear, claims to be a Christian. Dowd also, in the audio you're about to hear, hasn't the first clue about Christianity. The entire message of the Gospels of the Easter holidays was love one another. If Jesus Christ was alive today, he would be called a groomer, he would be called woke, and the idea that certain segment of our population is tried to capture the faith and corrupt a message that I may have been a follower of since I was baptized. So his first mistake is Jesus Christ is alive today. And that, Mr. Dowd, is actually the entire message of the Easter holiday, the resurrection of our Savior. You know, I really would love the opportunity to have a Bible's open conversation with Mr. Dowd, but something tells me he wouldn't have that same desire. Earlier this week, the Florida Department of Health issued guidelines that prohibit minors from receiving transgender treatment. No one under the age of 18 is allowed to be prescribed puberty blockers or hormone therapy, and healthcare professionals are strictly prohibited from conducting reassignment surgeries for children. Instead, youth should be referred to a licensed counselor. Florida's release of these guidelines comes following the Biden administration's endorsement of the transgender mutilation of children earlier this month. And speaking of Florida, here's our daily reminder of just why they passed the Parental Rights in Education Bill. This story from Illinois, where the Evanston School District has adopted a new curriculum for pre-K through third graders. Their new curriculum reportedly encourages the celebration of the transgender flag. It also breaks the gender binary established by white colonizers whatever that means. And it also experiments with neo-pronouns like Z, Zer, and Tree. So 
Never mind, it's not even worth trying to make sense of anymore. Honestly, anyone who thinks any of this is a good thing should have their teaching credentials revoked. No one with any human decency or a genuine moral compass can have a positive outlook on teaching kindergarten boys that wearing dresses is really neat. Parents, look, I know homeschooling isn't an option for everyone, but sacrificing your children to this immorality shouldn't be either. And speaking of the groomers, here's an example of someone to keep your children far away from. Here's a developmentally appropriate way to talk to toddlers about bodies and gender. When babies are born, parents sometimes guess their gender. Sometimes parents guess wrong, though. She's not talking about kindergartners. She's talking about toddlers, two-year-olds. I'm not sure if this lady was absent on that particular day in science class, but parents aren't guessing or making mistakes with their children's gender. It's either one or the other. There's no guessing necessary. Parents, be extremely aware of who exactly you're letting near your children. More Regid Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Titles of Christ In the Bible, Jesus is given many titles that teach us about who He is and what He has done. Jesus is called our sanctuary. Through Christ, we find refuge from God's justice and find a safe haven where we can enter into the presence of the Holy God. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Feeling dunk. For sending questions, comments, conundrums, snarks to idea at wretched.org, this is Wretched Radio. Super grateful that you consider sending pretty much anything to us at idea at wretched.org. We start out uh, with Anonymous, who is wondering, if Jesus is God, why did he not know when he would return? Ah, hypostatic union question. <laughs> fully God, fully man. Jesus, the baby while having his nappy changed, was upholding the universe by the word of his power. But Jesus is fully God, fully man, 100% God, 100% man. Those two natures never mingling. We don't have a demigod savior or a superman. We have fully God, fully man. Jesus said, I only teach that which the Father instructs me to teach. And one of the things that he did not give Jesus the go-ahead on is to tell people the date or the time. Did Jesus know it? The God Jesus knew it. It hadn't been revealed to the man, Jesus. Jesus, God, had to know it because he's co-equal, co-eternal, co-omniscient, co-everything with the Father. So is the Holy Spirit. So Jesus, God, knows the date. Jesus, the man, the preacher who had to learn, just like we did, he was not instructed to give the, the date, so he didn't. Idea at wretched.org. This one from Daniel. Uh, Dear Mr. Frill, how desperately should I be pleading with unbelieving family members whose hearts seem very hardened to the gospel? I just don't know how I can rest knowing they're heading toward judgment. I think maybe understanding to a degree pearls and swine might have an application for us. When Jesus admonished the disciples, hey, don't be casting your pearls before swine. What in the world was he saying? Swine were nasty animals back in that day. They were scary pigs, and, and, and they could hurt you. And if you are interacting with them and they're threatening to hurt you, don't do it. I think that is what Jesus was instructing. Having said that, as I think the correct understanding of that text, let's bring it into the home 
uh, do I keep preaching to somebody who, who just isn't moving? Well, the answer to that is use discretion. But I think as soon as they start to get agitated, angry, maybe threatening to pack your bags and send you scooting because they're tired of you bringing this subject up again, I think you have permission without sinning to be able to dial it back and not be agitating them. Now, you're not being agitating, but they're getting agitated. Sometimes that can be good. But if you sense or you even ask them, hey, am I getting up your nose because you know I'm just like really concerned right do do you mind if I keep bringing this stuff up knowing that they've already heard it fully it is not your job to convert your parents it's the Holy Spirit's job you plant the seeds he does the growing so get it out there be wise be loving be respectful and dial it back if it's starting to really affect your relationship idea at wretched.org all right Jacob is wondering recent or yeah, he's re- wondering how he should respond to this. Recently, one of his coworkers put up a calendar with pictures of women in swimsuits. Oh, yes. Fortunately, I could avoid it, but was wondering what Christians should do when we come across these things and how should we respond? Mm, well, Jacob, I think you've got one of the answers. You just avoid it. You just walk around it. You, you just avert your eyes. Don't Don't take a look at it. You know where it is. Just be godly, be righteous, and avoid it. I think a second option was you could talk to management and just say, hey, I don't want to be that guy, but these pictures that we're seeing around the office of scantily clad women, I think it's kind of degrading and potentially hostile toward women. Do you suppose maybe we should have a policy that we enforce that we don't put up scantily clad pictures on our walls? Third option would be you just go to the person, express your concern. Not don't don't be a don't be kind of hey, what kind of a dirtbag puts that up? No, be hey friend, you know what? I I understand why you'd enjoy that image, but um, for me it's it's really not good, and it makes it hard for me to even walk by your cubicle. It's not good for me. I suspect it's not good for you either. Would you mind pulling that thing down or? If you have to have it up, could you put it in a place where the rest of us aren't exposed to it? I think you have those three options. None of them is a sin. Jimmy, you got a fourth one for me? Um, no, I think those uh, are... That's, that's about all you... Okay. There is a fourth option. You wait for them to leave, and then you tear it down and burn it. <laughs> they could do that. I didn't say it was a good option. I just said it is an option. Idea at wretched.org. All right, this one comes from Barbara says, hi, Todd. Uh, could you please address the issue of those who reject the church because of past hurt, mm. but also Christians who apologize for the church because of alleged mistreatment? Yeah, let's define hurt, shall we? Because there are, there's bruising that happens in the church. It's, it's inevitable. So let's talk about a level of hurt that isn't nasty, sinful, malicious, and truly wounding. So I'm talking about conflicts, differences of opinion. Somebody said something. It wasn't delicately phrased. Okay, that's that's a level of hurt. We really should expect that. However, there is another level of hurt, and I think understanding the different types of abuses. Yes, there is sexual. Yes, there is physical. There is also emotional. There is spiritual. And if somebody has undergone that that should not have happened. And you can mourn that that happened. And you can seek justice. And you better seek safety if you're in danger. That type of hurt should not go on in the church. Now, having said that, if you're in a safe place, 
find a church that is Bible-based and don't discount the church because some scoundrels were really nasty or abusive. Don't, don't, don't cancel your church membership with Jesus Christ. Find a body that's safe, recognizing that Jesus loves and cares about the church, that it's a good place for you. It's, it should be a safe place. I'm sorry that it wasn't, but it's, it's a safe spiritual place for you and it's Bible-based. And, and, and heal. Take, take the time you need to heal from that because abuse yeah, it it ain't pretty. The old sticks and stones break my bones, but names can never hurt you. Well, that's something you say to deflect a nasty comment, but it still hurts. Otherwise, we probably wouldn't have invented that little quip. Idea at wretched.org. All right, from Crystal. Todd, is it okay to smush all four of the gospel smush. accounts? Smush, smush, huh? smash. Smish, smash, smush. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Got it. (laughs) Is it okay to smush all four of the gospel accounts of Jesus' death and resurrection and read it as a single account? Nope, nothing wrong with that. Now, that has some benefits because you can see the timeline played out. But keep in mind, though, that's not the way God put the Bible together. So you certainly can do that. I don't think you're even bordering on sinning if you've got one of those accounts that just takes it from all of the four gospels to say this happened and this happened and this happened. I think it can actually be super helpful. But the the idea of getting a Bible that, that puts everything chronologically, you can use those. But just remember, that's not the way God did it. Books in the Bible aren't, aren't based on timing, when they were written. They're, they're placed in the Bible as separate accounts, separate tellings, separate divine revelation, and they are self-contained, and yet the analogy of Scripture says they also inform the rest of the Bible and vice versa. So don't don't just exclusively go to the timeline thing because you will miss things. Uh, let's just say, for it, here's a good example. Uh, Mark chapter 7. Jesus, I think it's 7, maybe 8. Jesus heals a blind man partially. Okay, so let's just say you're doing a chronological tour of the life of Jesus Christ. You read that, and then you scoot over to Matthew, and he did this, and you scoot over to Luke, and he did another thing, and then he did another thing. Then, oh, you get back to Mark, where we see the transfiguration. Is that going to affect the way that you understand Jesus' partial healing of the blind man? Yes, it is. Why? Because the partial healing was a picture. Jesus loved to do this. I'm giving you a picture. You, disciples, are slow to see. But don't worry, you're going to learn soon. You're going to see clearly who I am. And so what do we see? A partial healing of a blind man, then a full healing of the blind man. And then the very next account is what? The transfiguration. If you've got a bunch of chronological events in between those two events, you're not going to understand what Jesus was doing with the healing, and you will not have correct understandings of a lot of verses. So helpful just be careful. Idea at wretched.org. <laughs> All right, Todd, we are starting a local farmer's market, my wife and I, and she makes a homemade sourdough bread, mm-hmm. and we were considering calling it the bread of life. Mm-hmm. Is that sacrilegious? If somebody did this, would I call up their pastor and have them disciplined? No. Would I do it personally? I don't think that I would, 
bread of life is a title for Jesus. He's the living water. I, I, I you know, using his name in any shape, in my opinion, for any purpose other than to glorify it or teach about it, if it's for marketing purposes or if it's just kind of a kind of a clever, oh, that's kind of witty. I wouldn't say that it's a sin, but I, I just would encourage, just think about the name, what it represents, high, holy. Do I want to be using it for sourdough bread? My answer would be no. Your answer may differ. This is Wretched Radio. Let's visit a preborn life center in action. Look at that baby. Abortion pill reversal actually works. That's a beating heart. Look how small it is. Tell me. That doesn't encourage you to consider supporting preborn.org slash wretched. $28 purchases a free ultrasound for a mommy who will choose life. It is indeed about saving babies' lives via $28 ultrasounds, but it is also sharing the gospel so that moms and dads get saved. Would you please consider supporting preborn centers with as many free ultrasounds as you can? $28 for an ultrasound, 80% of the time saves a life. Learn more at preborn.org slash wretched. I could spend the next 60 seconds telling you things like Wretched Radio airs on over 820 Christian radio stations, or Wretched TV appears on 125 Christian TV stations. I could tell you that the Wretched Radio podcast has had nearly 5 million downloads in the last year, or the Wretched YouTube channel has had nearly 125 million all-time views. But I'm not going to do that. Instead, I'm going to say thank you. Thank you for your continued support that has helped us reach millions of people all all over the world with the gospel. Wretched Radio and TV, Road Trip to Truth, and our newest production, Transformed, are all possible because of the support of our gospel partners. If you're not a gospel partner, would you please prayerfully consider becoming one? We rely on your kindness and your generosity and your ongoing prayers. Visit wretched.org slash donate to get all of the details. That's wretched.org slash donate, or you can text the word wretched to the number 44321. There are brothers and sisters in Ukraine who could use your help right now. Max, the Tomorrow Club's leader in Ukraine, visited us on the telephone to share the need that many believers in eastern Ukraine currently have. Our focus was children evangelism. And right now, we have to walk away from that and really serve those families who had to escape. Our Tomorrow Club leaders in the West trying to meet the needs of those families. It's a good opportunity to show Christ to them in this time of trial. Pretty unlikely that you can visit Ukraine to help those brothers and sisters, but there are hands and feet on the ground, the Tomorrow Club leaders helping out brothers and sisters in need in Ukraine. To learn more about how you can help and support the Tomorrow Clubs, who we hope will quickly return to children evangelism, learn more at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched, tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Attributes of God Psalm 115 verse 3 says that God does all that He pleases. God is sovereign over His whole creation. 
He has the right and the power to govern all things according to His will. Nothing occurs in your life that God, in His sovereignty, has not allowed. He is working all things for His glory and the good of those who love Him. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Oh boy! This is Wretched Radio. That's the number of the toll-free. That means it's a good deal to call us and leave a question, comment, conundrum, or snark. Try to keep it pithy because you'd rather have your thoughts expressed rather than have Jimmy editing them. one 282 Todd, my name is Lisa, and I'm curious why um, churches that are not associated with Bethel Redding name themselves Bethel Church. <laughs> yeah, that's a bummer again, because Bethel Church in Sacramento, in Redding, California, rather, it's a monster. And Bethel Music, woof, it just is world global phenomenon. But I wouldn't let... A, a ministry that is outside of orthodoxy robbed me from using the name Bethel, especially if I had the name before they were so popular. Uh, now, would I, if I were going to name a church today, would I use Bethel? I, I probably wouldn't. But Bethel, it's just house of God, Hebrew word, house of God, biblical location. You've got you've, you've got biblical precedent for it. But it just might not be wise in our current context to use it. Jimmy, would you use Bethel to name your church? I would not. Oh, wait. Oh. Okay, hold on. This is like a cold headache. Oh, you're getting you getting something? Yeah. I'm just imagining that it's Jimmy Hicks Church. I'm just no, no. struggling a little bit with that visual. It it would I would call a church if I planted a church uh the way. The way, yeah, that's not going to sell these days. I uh, well, you know, more. I'm, I'm. Would you Google me church? Did we do this yet? <laughs> I don't think so. Me, me church. church. Just huh. come on, somebody. You know what you're after. You know what you want to say. It's all about us. The people who attended has very little to do with Jesus Christ or any sort of biblical reference or illusion. We market church via our names that indicate, hey. If I go here, I'm going to get something. Or, hey, if I go here, that means I'm a part of this, which means I am that. A.K.A. Influencers Church. You got anything for me, church? Uh, no, I'm just coming up with a bunch of Methodist Episcopal <laughs> churches. <laughs> mm, no, I'm not the same thing. one 282 Mr. 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 Signore, Mr. Creel. How would you respond to those who say they want to try out Christianity or those who say they have tried Christianity and it wasn't for them? Third option, how's about you're a famous purpose-driven pastor who goes on Fox News and says, why don't you try Jesus for 30 days? And if it doesn't work out for you, you can just, you can give him back. What was that? Yeah, there are people who try to pitch Jesus. Hey, just give him a try. Just see how it works out. for. We'll give you your money back. I'm sorry. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He commands everyone everywhere to repent. Let's not treat Jesus 
like he's a product for sale with a return policy, zoinks Scoob. But I think the question about the people who say, I was a Christian, I tried it, but now I'm not trying it anymore. Well, we have to understand what happened there. Parable of the four soils, you are going to have false professors. It's going to happen. Furthermore, what did John say? They went out from us because they were not among us. That means that there are people who used to be among us, but if they leave, it demonstrates they were never really a part of us. So you can point out to the person, I understand you maybe really even had some intense feelings. That religion can induce that. But the one who repents and puts their trust in Jesus Christ will endure. And if you're not enduring, it means you never were a Christian. So I would encourage you this day to make your calling and election sure. Get right with God because he's coming back to judge in righteousness. And it's not going to be pleasant. He's not going to be gentle Jesus. He is going to be the lying, the roaring lion of Judah. Rah! There you got it, Jimmy. You remember that chorus. It ain't going to be pretty. People are going to call out to the mountains to fall on them rather than facing the wrath of the Lamb. Repent and put your trust completely in Jesus Christ today, and you will endure. One eight seven seven two eight two beep. Oh boy. One eight seven seven two eight two. Church nine. He sees you at your worst. He still thinks you're the best. Oh no, 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 <laughs> no. I was just reading an article. I, I want to say it was Samuel Say. I think it was at the Christian Post. Jesus knows you're a sinner. Do you know he's a savior? And do you, do you, 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 he knows. Jesus knows you're not good. That's the whole point of the cross. If we were good people, it would be a pretty good deal on his part. He got something valuable. No, he got something really worth nothing, but he values us anyway. That means our worth it really does reside outside of us in heaven because it is God who places his love, his affection, and his value on us. That is what makes us valued, not valuable. You're the best, said Jesus, never, anywhere, even close. That would contradict like 50 other verses that say, no, actually, you're totally depraved. <sighs> Breathe. You know what I was told two nights ago? Was one two night? Well, one day this week, Mrs. Friel and I were out for dinner, and we were talking to the waitress who had an eclectic mix of well, lots of stuff, and she had some she had some advice for us about how to relieve stress. Um, she <laughs> said, um, you say um with your mouth closed three times as loudly and as longly, as longly and as long as you can, and your stress, you'll just, you'll be just fine. You get kicked off the radio for saying, um, too much. Oh yeah. There are too many ums. (laughs) You get kicked out of a pulpit for that too. So pastor, that's a little speech tick. You can clean it up. It ain't easy, but it's doable. Believe me. 1-877-282-BEEP. 1-877-282. Church size, duct tape is good, but three nails is everything. 
Should be our everything. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. So a a trite presentation of the (laughs) passion of our Lord with bad grammar to boot. Well, that makes it doubly bad then, doesn't it? Absolutely. Duct tape is good. Three nails are better. It's just the cheekiness of it all. It's just the the lowness of it all. I'm telling you, when you see God, you're not going to think about trite, trivial comparisons and jokes. We're just not, and we shouldn't be doing it here. one 282 Baptist Church sign. We were dunking long before those donut people. And the point of that sign is what? Make me hungry Absolutely for Krispy Kremes, because that's what I do when I think of Dunkin' Donuts. I get hungry for Krispy Kremes. Don't you? Especially when the warm light is on. Uh, okay, so you're a Baptist, and we were baptizing. And what's the point? If the overall impression of the sign makes the church look cheesy, we're just not being good representatives of Jesus Christ. Church sign, the kindness of God is meant to lead us to repentance. I mean, it's not even funny. (laughs) But that's great. I would put that up. I don't think you can go wrong with any Bible verses. I mean, maybe (laughs) there would be something that's like a head scratcher. You maybe don't want to put up a genealogy. Might not be too helpful. Great. I've seen churches do that. I applaud that. Put up a Bible verse. Repent and trust Jesus today. Jesus Christ is returning and he will save you today. Rock on one 282 Church sign, the new world order is Antichrist. Pray and prepare. Okay. Well, I don't know exactly what that means. I didn't either. Yeah, the, the Antichrist isn't a cabal. It's not a group. It's not a movement or philosophy. It's the Antichrist is an Antichrist. It is somebody recognizable, identifiable, and known as such. The, the only New World Order I know about is those wrestlers from the 90s. I'm sorry, the what? The only New World Order. Yeah, no, I got that part. They're the wrestlers. Wrestlers. Wrestlers from the 90s. I thought this, uh, I thought this question just got stuck in voicemail for a long time. Oh, one eight seven seven two eight two. Church sign. The best vitamin for a Christian is B one. Yeah, baby. Hi-oh! Church, <laughs> we represent the Christ. Let's make sure our church signs reflect that we follow one who is not cheesy, who is not a, a joke slinger, but who is the sovereign God of the universe. And until tomorrow, when my blood pressure might be lower... Go serve your king.